Welcome, nature nerds. This is You're Gonna Die Out There. Megan, how's it going? Hey, Jen. We did the thing. We did our first podcast, our episode first episode. One was, on the books. Now we're it, going for number two. And it was great. Not, I just want to commend you for a wonderful story. Thank you. It's not a good, it's a sad story. Right. But it is a very cool story. My mom listened. She liked it. <laughs> she said, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great story. You guys did great. I just didn't appreciate all the cursing. The cursing oh. was, but I'm like, hey, mom. <laughs> uh, I got a text this morning from my mom. And I was like, hey, did you did you listen? And she was like, oh, I haven't done it yet. Oh, sorry. She'll get on there. She'll she'll get on the bandwagon one day. I mean, it's fine. At least I think she perused the website. Definitely. I yeah, I have been stalking our website analytics because I like to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. I see some people uh, that we know. Uh, I have a friend in Abu Dhabi. So we're international, Jen. We're real big. We're huge. I do want to give a quick shout out to one of my friends in Honolulu, Ashley Ann, who was so kind to tell us that the movie we were trying to think of, the horror movie, was The grudge oh yes 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 the grudge how could we forget that oh, probably because it's like 15 years ago i've already erased I, it from my memory right now yeah well i imagine you immediately <laughs> tried to forget about that but like, no. but i think back in the day when we were peace corps volunteers it's not like we had streaming right. available what? <laughs> or anything you had a but giant i had a giant case, case of cds yes I'm sorry, DVDs. It would have like 50 episodes of um, Special Victims Unit. Oh, yeah. And the, or they would have like a bunch of different like action movies on yes. one DVD. And they were all just total ripoffs. I think we got them from Bali. People would go to Bali and then bring them back. And we would just like eat it up because we had nothing else to do. I am definitely a TV watcher. I'm like, a, I'll watch all the movies except I, for the horror movies. Those are too much. For me. Oh, I love it. But you watched American Horror Story. Well, I feel like that's a little bit different, though. The first books I ever read as a 12, 11, 12 year old were Stephen King. I've read like all his books. I love horror movies. But there's some movies that I just can't. It's like too much it some of those like i watched it but i was like oh like you don't forget it like all these years later i it's yeah it's stuck in your brain it's stuck it's just there forever and so there's some things but american horror stories like i love it so yeah. good the witches one was so good that's my favorite my husband's not really into horror flicks so i sure. watch them usually if i'm by myself which during the last year or so of the pandemic, I am <laughs> never. never by myself. So This is how you watch movies when you're teleworking and your kid is virtual schooling. I get my cell phone, put my, headpho- <laughs> <laughs> put my headphones in, and I prop it up Smart. on my laptop. And I'm like, I'm in a meeting. Right? That- my headphones are in, I'm in a meeting. My son has See? totally been like, mom. And I'm like, I'm in a meeting. You know, like I do like the mouthy thing. But you're watching. But I'm watching you're- HBO, The Sopranos. Like that's... <laughs> And I'm like, don't come over here. I'm in a meeting. I'm on the like, video I'm on camera. The, I'm on the phone. Dude. Do your schoolwork. You know, I thought about this last so week bad. and I meant to say something. I have this also another friend in Honolulu who she 
is the reason I started listening to podcasts. Oh. She's a lab tech and she listened to My Favorite Murder just like all the time while she was working, you know, right. like pipetting stuff. Yeah. And she was like, you have got to listen to podcasts. And I was like, all right. So when I'm teleworking, I actually can't really listen to podcasts because I'm actively listening and it's taking too much of my brain power away to like write an email. Yeah. I feel like I'm following a super class act. Today I have a story for you guys. I know. And it's hard to follow. It, it won't probably won't be as long because there wasn't as much information right but also don't you want to just chill with us for two hours who wouldn't yeah but wait hey i have something to share tell me and i know you're going to be really excited about this and i i'm going to be kind of actually a little surprised if you didn't catch it on um trust me i'm a biologist god i love that page yeah that's a great page on love facebook it. so this was in the news kind of everywhere this week that they found this new nano chameleon <gasps> on madagascar wait a minute did you catch you it you don't know this you don't know this but i retweeted that you did i did i retweeted on our twitter oh my god see i don't check <laughs> it's called wait wait wait. no wait. let me let me oh because i want to say it oh, okay you say it brookesia nana b nana which is so cute <laughs> because they're kind of like nana nano yeah chameleon but tiny speaking of bananas bananas oh yeah tell me what speaking of banana? banana the males are smaller than the females I mean, they're like an inch long, right? Right, They're like millimeters. Mm -hmm. And so I guess they have to make up with it um, so they can get jiggy with it with the females by having larger genitalia. Their genitalia are 20% of their body size. Bananas. That's bananas. Anyway, they found them, but they've only found... It seems like they found them in like 2012. So it's been a while. They're right now, as of now, they have the record for being the smallest reptile. They're super cute. They're like the size of your thumb, your you thumbnail put, or smaller. Kind of sad though. I read that they were critically endangered. Well, because they haven't found any... I don't think they found any more. I haven't read like a full on, but according to the Nat Geo site, and it's all kind of on everything, but they say they just have these, you know, the male and the female. They stay in the... I mean, this it's just like habitat loss issues yeah. and all the things. You know, you get the invasive species coming in that eat things that they normally wouldn't have eaten before and yeah. so they're probably eating these tiny little cuties all up also like water loss i mean you yeah. know it just happens unfortunately but it's cool that they found them before they never found them because there's so many critters out there that have never been discovered and may never be discovered because it's just hard to find these things or maybe people will find them that are you know working out and outside mm-hmm. and they don't think anything of it so they wouldn't take it into a biologist or somebody who could identify it yeah so Mm -hmm. things just get lost that's the great thing about our story last week in the rainforest that they they saved all that rainforest and they're studying all these species and getting the beautiful conservation area they did say this place in madagascar is a conservation area now where they found them so that is because they're critically endangered because they're critically endangered so that's a plus you know that's a really good segue into our story for this week jen because we're gonna be talking about some herpetology nice herps Nice. So kind of my I know you're topic. all about the herps. I do love them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the reptiles and amphibian type. That's yes. what we're talking about. I'm yep. not all about the other herps. The other herps, please. Herpes. Let's just, <laughs> yeah, let's stay far, far away from that subject. Right. All right, Jen. Are you ready for the story of Carl Patterson Schmidt? So ready. So schmitty. <laughs> 
Is so it like good. the Schmidt beer? Are you thinking of Schlitz? No, there was a Schmidt beer. Schmidt beer. Oh. I remember from high school when I lived in Seattle, the shitty beer you would buy. Oh no! And they would call it shitty Schmitty. It was and it was super cheap. I feel like he's cooler than that beer. This story. I'm going to start it out in 1957. Okay. I'm I'm going to paint a mental picture for you. Elvis Presley, top what? of the charts. Love some Elvis. All shook up. The first frisbee was invented in 1957. Like they never figured that shit out before. Oh, maybe no, just plastic. Yeah. And then one of my favorite movies of all time, an affair to remember, was. Oh, in the box yeah. offices. Yeah. Is that when they meet up on the Empire State Building? It is. It is, but she gets hit by a taxi. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> There might be a lot of people who haven't seen that yet. 1957. I mean, please. I don't know how many of our listeners watch TMC on a regular basis. Deborah Kerr is in that movie. Carrie that Grant. Is, that's a classic. It's a classic. They drink pink champagne. I mean, come on. Yes. Classic. Yeah, that's All a right. good one. Okay. I'm going to include a link to this video that I found. The National Bank of Hyde Park in Chicago opened up their very first drive-up bank teller. And now let me tell you how it works. There's this kind of thin driveway. Uh-huh. And it's separated into two even smaller lanes and you drive in one side like the left side you drive down then there's this giant turntable that your car fits on and then there's this operator like sitting on the side with like a really smart cap and like vest and he presses a button on a giant machine like one of those cute uniforms people used to wear and your car just turns around it just turns around on the turntable and then you drive to the teller and then wow. you drive back out that same driveway. I just can't imagine what it would be like on like a Friday at 4.30, everyone trying to cash their check. God, get off the turntable. What is it it's called? Already, yeah. I don't, the I don't roundabout. What would they... The, not a roundabout, because that's like a it, thing. It, it looks like a giant turntable. Like it just turns... A lazy Susan? A lazy Susan. There you go. For cars. That would have taken forever. I bet a lot of people were scared to get on that back then. Oh, for like sure. Like older people would be like, I'm not getting on that new fandangled <laughs> contraption. <laughs> You'll die. Uh, <laughs> you're going to die in there. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Yeah. So uh, I'm feeling very 1957. Yeah, I'm feeling, feeling it. Yeah, feeling it. All I right. Feel like so I'm there. it is September 26, 1957. Okay. Okay. And at 6:30 a.m., Carl Patterson Schmidt he wakes up. He takes his temperature. It's 98.2 degrees. He sat down for breakfast. He eats a bowl of cereal. Wait, does he take his temperature every day? Well, I mean, it's a little bit weird, right? There's a reason for it. I'm okay. about to. I'm about to tell you. Okay. It's, okay. So he eats cereal, poached eggs on toast, applesauce, and of course coffee i'm cool with all that minus the applesauce yeah the applesauce is kind of i mean well it's 1957 i'm like reading this list of food and i'm like is he constipated there would be some prunes in there somewhere i'm all about the poached eggs and toast yum Mm -hmm. really i feel like poached eggs on like a bagel maybe no like like some buttered toast we kind of grew up with that my mom does that real good Oh, I'm going to make her do that for me. All right. It seems like a totally normal morning in the household, but Jen, it is not normal. After he records his routine and breakfast in his notebook, his journal, he then writes, quote, no urine with an ounce or so of blood about every three hours, mouth and nose continuing to bleed, not excessively. That is does not sound like a normal morning. For and any human. That is the last thing he ever writes. By 3 p.m. that day, he's dead. Wow. Let's back up. Yeah, let's back up because how do you get there? <laughs> how did he After, get there? Well, he was... Wait a second. Wait, wait, wait. Mm-hmm. So was he bleeding out 
of his face when he was eating the poached eggs and applesauce? You know, I also had that same thought. I mean, he doesn't write it in the journal. Hard. It would just change the whole. Like, I I wouldn't be into like the the breakfast. Yeah. Carl P. Schmidt is Mm -hmm. the son of George W. and Margaret Patterson Schmidt. George W. I laughed a little bit at that. (laughs) (laughs) I think he's the oldest. I mean, I couldn't find anything about any other siblings besides his younger brother, who I'll talk about later, Franklin James White Schmidt. They're all into a lot of names. So his father was a professor of German who was teaching in Lake Forest, Illinois, when Carl was born. Carl was born June 5th, 1890. Hey, that's so close to my little Gemini action right there. I know. His brother Franklin came 11 years later in 1901. Okay. All right. Was that one of those like, oh, wow, we have there's another one. Oh, shit. In 1907, the family leaves Illinois and they settle in Wisconsin, where they have a farm near Stanley, Wisconsin. And they make cheese. You know what? I don't know what they made on the farm, but they definitely had some dairy cows. They I'm sure had they made cheese. some cheese. It's Wisconsin. It's Wisconsin. <laughs> They're just making cheese. Everyone makes cheese. Yeah. So the year before, in 1906, mm-hmm. Carl starts at Lake Forest College, where he studies for one year. Then he's like, I'm going to go work on the family farm for a while. I'm going to make some cheese. I, You know what? I'm really into this cheese. But then school calls him back in 1913. Wait, they called him back? Oh, no, no, no. He's just like... Oh, the, it just like it was calling to the him. academic in his heart. Oh, got you. And he goes to Cornell, a fancy, and he gets his AB. What a- I read that and I was like, uh, what the fuck That's is that? AB. So that's that's what I said. But no, 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 Jen. AB is the fancy way to say Bachelor of Arts because it's the Latin Artium Baccalaureus. Oh, that is fancy. Super fancy. So essentially it's a BA, but because he went to Cornell and that's fancy. They like to. Fancy as fuck. I'm sorry, Jen's mom, for cursing. All right. Hang in there, mom. Sometime around 1915, when Carl was about 25, he starts having a, quote, profound interest in snakes. Okay. Let's call it a professional obsession. Wait, how old is he at this point? 25. He's 25 and just then gets an interest in snakes? Just then gets interested in snakes. I know. I feel like I started getting super interested in herps like earlier on, like just fascinated. In snakes or just in like little lizards? Specifically, they say snakes. For him. For him. But I mean for you. Oh, for me, frogs. Any okay. kind of frogs. Like little yeah, toads. Frogs are so... Like well, maybe when stalker. he was in school, like he hung out with a friend that had took care of some snakes or... So, yeah, actually, what happened was I originally was like, oh, maybe it's from like working on the farm. You know, like snakes on a farm can be helpful in like a garden. I'm just thinking about like, you know, like garden snake. They're good for your garden. I don't know if they're just like around farms. They get rid of like pests. Yeah. Like they're good for... They're like cats. Anyway. Also my favorite. So right. was that how he... Began to so, like them? No, actually, Wikipedia uh, corrected my thought and says <laughs> during a four month training course at Purdy Oil Company in Louisiana, that's when he got super interested in snakes. Oh, so now he's in Louisiana. He, I guess he went on some kind of small. Like an internship? Like an internship. So from 1916 to 1922, he is a research assistant at the American Museum of Natural History in New York. And during this time, he takes his first international trip down to Puerto Rico okay. to do collections. Um, I'm going to read a quick quote from the Ecological Society of America. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is from the Resolution of Respect, kind of like a memoriam of his life. And okay. they just mentioned this, like his travels. In connection with his work, Dr. Schmidt was able to travel extensively and to observe living animals in their natural surrounds. Being especially interested in the New World, he made several trips to the West Indies and Central and South America. As 
scientific leader of the Crane Pacific Expedition in 1928 and 1929, he visited most of the important islands of the South Pacific. This okay. is something that I'm not like super fond of. The idea of like a foreign scientist going to a quote exotic location. A new world. A new world, if you will, to collect species. Like I think you and I have the same feeling about this Correct me if I'm if I'm wrong. Um, like wrong. traveling, <laughs> <laughs> traveling is super important, and traveling and staying in a country and learning about it and being kind of there and uh-huh. that's gives you a new perspective. That's really yes, great. It is one hundred percent, and to like experience the wildlife there, that kind of stuff. Like, yes, that's yes, so important. Don't just stay in your hometown. Agreed. <laughs> I'm really hoping he wasn't like because the time right. It's like early 1900s. Yeah. I hope he's he's not some like white dude from New York City going down just like take animals for the museum and peace out. Yeah. I mean, he should go there, get to know people Mm -hmm. and be like, hey, what do you know about your snakes? And and then the people would say, yeah, we have these snakes. We don't know what they are. Can you help us? And if they are interested in knowing something about their own natural resources or their own natural environment and they ask for the help, then give it. Yes. But don't just like go in there and And do do whatever the hell you want and take their shit and get out, you know, and not and not ever give the information back to the native population yeah yeah because they need to know that stuff i mean they already know well first of all people (laughs) (laughs) let me just go on a little soapbox here (laughs) the people from the islands or any anywhere they know their species they know know everything they just may not know our you know a different scientific perspective of it but they know but they know yeah so that's one thing that i was kind of like oh i know it's that time and he's like this renowned herpetologist and yes he did amazing work but i also am kind of like i feel a little bit weird about it yeah so i'm just gonna throw it, it was out back there. then hopefully yeah. he was an awesome guy he seems like that it. just went in and was like hey i'm just want to check this is it okay and yeah. then hopefully he gave that information back to them and i i hope and so. he did it all very respectfully and in the respect of their cultures and traditions i think it's of note that when he was in new york he worked under a very well-known american herpetologist mary cynthia dickerson a lady a lady in the early 1900s a lady scientist thank you see they were out there doing the thing it's just that it never got the kind of recognition that the man's got i love her i read a bunch about her so she is especially cool she described over 20 new species of reptiles and she is commemorated in the names of four lizard species i know i would read them but that's going to be so yeah, that's not boring for we people. Don't, we don't need to do that. I mean, we know we have some science nerds on here. Hopefully someday they'll listen in. Yes. But for the rest of the world that we know you're not, you know, you, you, you dig it, but you're not really into knowing all the, I mean, you know. just go look her up. Go look her up. Mary Cynthia Dickerson. Go look at the the pictures of the lizards. They're super cute. Charles W. Myers of the, cur- the Curator Emeritus of the American Museum of Natural History said this about Dickerson, quote, by 1920, Dickerson had accomplished something remarkable. This is a man talking about a woman, female scientist. Despite other truly heavy responsibilities, she had built a functioning department from scratch, emphasizing collection did. growth mm-hmm. and literature facilities in order to support the twin functions of exhibition and research in herpetology fucking kudos yes huge kudos and thank you for putting that in there because i feel like we gotta like women have to support women yes that's just always like let's do that sadly this is the shitty part oh sadly she kind of loses her mind 
Oh, uh, later in life. Did she yeah. have like let me just three hundred is... cats and lose her mind, or did she? What was it? There's nothing wrong with three hundred <laughs> cats, Jen. Megan, we oh don't talk. <laughs> okay, and it seems like everyone attributed attributes it to the stress of her job. Oh, probably but all the mansplaining. Thank you. That's like exa- made I, her head explode. I was like, but I can't even imagine working with a bunch of dudes. Oh my god! In the early imagine? 1900s, it's in bad science. now. Can you imagine back then? I mean, I've heard professors tell me <laughs> about their experiences in the 80s and just the misogyny. Girl, oh my god! I can tell you in my lifetime. Right. <laughs> she was not stressed out. Imagine? Some man was like, "She's hysterical because she, oh, yeah. you know, they fuck something Women up." In their or, hysteria. Yeah, and they put her in an, really an asylum. What? And she... No, they put her in in an asylum and she fucking died in the (gasps) asylum. Assholes. And it is the most heartbreaking. I mean, it makes me a little bit sad. So she wasn't married, didn't have kids because she was... I didn't see that part. I think she I'm just wondering if like her husband was one of the assholes that did this to her or if he tried to help her. Yeah. We need to look into this. This is... I, I... Love her and everyone should go read about her. But oh, I'm sorry to bring everybody I just down. Hate the world sometimes. Back to Schmidt. Schmitty. <laughs> <laughs> He's like rolling over in his grave right now. I know. Uh, so during his tenure in New York City, he marries Margaret Whiteman and they have two sons, John okay. and Robert. And there wasn't like a ton about his wife or his kids. That John I and find. Bob. In 1922, he and the family, Margaret mm-hmm. and the two sons, mm-hmm. moved back to Illinois, uh, right? Because he was like first grew up in Illinois, moved to Wisconsin, Wisconsin went to New York. Farm some cheese. Farm some cheese. <laughs> went to New York. <laughs> Met some gardener snakes. Then <laughs> he went back. When he went to New York. Went to New York. Okay. Now he's back in Illinois. Okay. In Chicago. Probably like a suburb Chicago. of Chicago. And he was named assistant curator of reptiles and amphibians at the Field Museum in Chicago, which nice. is like pretty fucking that's a prestigious. Sweet, yeah, that's a sweet job. Yeah. Over the next 12 years, he makes three more collecting expeditions to Honduras, Brazil, Guatemala, and some other South American countries. And let's just hope it was all done very respectfully, following all the guidelines. Schmidt, it better and done be appropriately. done appropriately. Appropriately. Yes. I'm going to haunt you what? when I die. I don't know. Anyway. Well, he's been dead a long time. Right. I mean, I feel like it, I, I feel like it'd be hard to find him when you die and go back to haunt him, but you should. I'll do it. Don't yeah. worry about it. So this is kind of a sad part of his story. Um, he comes back in 1944 from his last expedition trip of that time. I think that was the Guatemala trip. And I'm going to read from a newspaper clipping from the Stevens Point Journal, August 8th, 1935 edition. It is entitled Professor at Platteville, Four Others Escape. Farmhouse fire believed caused by short circuit and lighting system. Ew. Uh, Stanley, Wisconsin, August 8th. Three persons burned to death today in a fire that destroyed the farm home of G.W. Schmidt, professor of German at the Platteville Aww. State Teachers College. Aww. The victims were Mrs. Schmidt, 67, her son Frank, 36, and Florian Barazuzan. 24, a hired man. Schmidt and four others in the house escaped. They were John Schmidt, 16, and Robert, 15, Mm -hmm. grandsons of the professor. Elwood Shaw, 15, uh, from Chicago, who had been visiting at the farm with the Schmidt boys, and Mildred Mickey, 22, a hired girl. So it's kind of sad. They go on to tell this story, and basically Mildred wakes up to the sound of, like, screaming, uh-huh. Um, that's Mrs. Schmidt. She's screaming the, the house is on fire. Like His mom. His mom. Yeah. Yeah. Mildred, the hired girl, the 22-year-old, she goes and 
gets outside, grabs a ladder from the barn, Mm -hmm. runs it to her window. Then instead of waiting for Mrs. Schmidt to come down out of the window, she takes off to the neighbor's house and to get help. She's like, got to get help. So she runs to the neighbor's house to get Mm -hmm. help. She comes back. When she comes back, I guess she assumes that Mrs. Schmidt came down the ladder. I don't know. His dad, the Professor Schmidt, GW, George W., is up there with the grandsons with Schmidt's sons. Uh, in another part of the house so she moves the ladder to that window he climbs down the grandsons actually jump out the window okay because they're like fuck it and then basically everyone else in the house so that's james and then the other hired man who i don't know where he's from florian okay uh, they both die they never wake up so probably smoke inhalation and they burn to death oh my god and then his mother was alive she burned alive it is so sad oh wow that's horrific even worse to this story is that his dad professor professor schmidt and his mom Uh were planning to go that day it was early morning that it happened Uh so that day they were going to go to mankato oh my god it's in minnesota i didn't look up the pronunciation you're gonna get if anyone listens jesus i'm gonna get some feedback i really looked up the platteville because i was like the plateville or anyway uh they were going to this other place in minnesota okay for professor schmidt's mother's funeral (gasps) so sad that is so sad okay wait i'm kind of confused though so his mom and his dad both died in the fire no his mom and his brother oh okay because the dad got down with the boys yeah his kids yeah so were they there were him and his wife there no, I don't see any mention of them. So okay. maybe just the boys were there like hanging. It's maybe it's August. Like so it's summer. Like summer. Maybe like summer yeah. vacation at the at grandparents' the farm. farm. Oh, that's so sad. I mean, yeah. Can you imagine? That's like a lot of trauma. That is a lot of trauma. And they're like 15 and 16 years old. Yep. Um. So yeah, I want to, I just want to real quick share about his brother, Franklin James White Schmidt. Um, I thought this was kind of cool. He is noted as one of the first practitioners in the field of wildlife management. And he worked with a prairie grouse. Oh, nice. I know. He's one of the originals. One of the OG. Yeah. Sadly, a lot of his research, like seven publications he was working on, got burned up in that fire and like oh, a bunch damn. of field samples. Yeah. Oh, damn. Because back then you're just like typing on a typewriter. Yep. There's no backup. You can back that <laughs> shit up. <laughs> Where's your external hard drive? <laughs> what the hell? Come on. Yeah. Get oh. it together. All right. So moving on from that, Schmidt does a ton of work, a ton of work from 1937 to when he retired in 1955, when he was like 65, trying to do the math in my brain. So he did a lot of journal and book publications. Uh, He lectured a lot. He did a couple expeditions to Peru, which made me think of last week's story. I wonder if he went to Panguana. Um, Wait, wait, wait. What year would it have been? Never mind. It would have been between 1937 and 1955. No, no, no. Because Panguana wasn't established till 68. Oh. But I bet he would have gone if he could have. Yeah. Maybe he was in the area or maybe he went to the Natural History Museum, but wait. He's older than them. Go ahead. Continue. And then his very last expedition, he went to Israel in 1953. He headed up some super cool biological groups. The American Society of Ichthyologists and Herpetologists, okay. for instance. He was like the president for a while. He gets an honorary doctorate of science from Earlham College. I mean, if I were going to get a doctorate, that's the way to get it. You just do a bunch of cool shit in your life. And, and then, then just... they're like, here, don't pay tuition. <laughs> 
And they give you like a hat and a robe and they're like, you are an honorary. Congratulations. Yeah. No student loans. Done. You're just done. In 1955, when he retires, he is made curator emeritus Mm -hmm. of zoology at the Field Museum. For all of the herp nerds out there, uh, in 1957, he publishes The Living Reptiles of the World with Robert F. Inger, who is also a very famous herpetologist and Carl P. Schmidt's student. Oh, so super cool. So here we are. Finally, my God, I'm so sorry. Uh, No, I I love it. I love all the backstory. We want to know these things. It's fun, yeah. We want to understand the man. Absolutely. Carl is living that retired emeritus life. Okay. uh, Super low key, just helping out. Wait, are they still in Chicago? Still in Chicago. Okay. So yeah, because he's he's like just chilling in Chicago, goes in, probably goes into the office. Like I remember when I was working at a university, the emeritus professors would like come in like maybe once a week and check their mailbox. Drink some coffee. Drink some coffee. Cruise around. Cruise around. They would bring in stuff from their garden. Yeah. It was like they were super cool. Like They're like, we don't have chat. any stress. We're just chilling. Just to like drink coffee and go around and chat with people. Yeah. And be like, oh, what are you doing? Cool. Well, what are you doing? Yeah. Do you need some, <laughs> need some help with that? I'm the curator emeritus. So <laughs> I can help you. I can help you with that. So I bet he had a lot of like cool granddad or um, dad jokes, you know, that were just all about reptiles. There is a picture I'm going to share of him with three. I don't know the species of uh, lizard that are on his shirt. He's like carrying them around. And I was like, that guy looks like fun. I'll put it on the. I'll They're shirt. just like hanging out on There's his shirt, like two, one on each shoulder, I, and I one guarantee on his, like, shirt just hanging. If on. he, if back then people wore t-shirts and had funny things on it, he would have all the ones with the funny sayings about yes. different reptiles. I wish I knew some right now, but I don't know any funny reptile jokes. I had a, a botanist professor that had he was he was awesome, and he wore these really funny shirts that he made himself. Uh-huh. And one was like, "Botanists have all the anthers." <sighs> get it? Get it? So funny. Yeah. It it was yeah i see this picture and i'm like that guy's maybe we'll make a commemorative <laughs> t-shirt and we can sell it when we have merch so here we yeah he's living the life and marlon perkins who is a noted zoologist mm-hmm. who was the director of the lincoln park zoo in chicago at the time and side note you might know who he is because he was the host of mutual of omaha's wild kingdom from 1963 to 1985 oh what was his name marlon perkins oh that was that other guy that was always um that i remember his name that used to go on like the johnny carson show and like Uh, things like that and he would always bring animals right yeah but that name doesn't ring a bell so yeah marlon gets this snake in at the zoo and he's super interested in snakes as well and he's looking at it and it's a 30 inch juvenile snake which jen even with our unrenowned biological skills juveniles are like difficult yeah to id it's true marlon calls up carl he's like hey carl uh i think you might know what this is so they send this 30 inch juvenile over to the field museum carl is looking at it he's like 98 percent certain it's a boom slang okay i'm going to talk about boom slang yeah. in a second I don't but know much about snakes. he's looking but he's looking at the tummy of the boom slang the ventral side i was right? like do they call it a tummy it's like I wrote when I was writing this out. Look, I was like, it's do I write science or like the ventral side, like where its vent is like anyway. Yeah, but not everybody would know that. Be super so it's good to say tummy. Yeah, tummy and the anal plate. So there's this plate that goes over its butt butt. Yeah, essentially. It's so scientific. <laughs> 
And so there's this, it's basically like a scale that goes over the opening. And in boom slaying snakes, there's, it's divided. It has like a line in the middle. Uh-huh. But on this particular snake, it's just one. There's no line in the middle. So he's like, that's weird. But it, it looks like a boom slang. It acts like a boom slang. He writes in his journal that he thinks it's definitely an African boom slang snake. Quick I'm facts. scared of any snake that comes from Africa, by the way. Well, you should be. I absolutely am. I don't kill it, but also don't, just don't go near it. Stay away. You know, whenever I think of snakes in Africa, I think mm-hmm. of the black mamba, right? Yeah. And because I read this book, The Poisonwood Bible. Have you read The Poisonwood Bible? I have not. Oh my God. It's like, it's so flipping good. You have to read it. Okay. Any of our listeners, go get the, get it on Audible if you don't have time to sit down and read it or something. It's um, Barbara Kingsolver. I've read like all her stuff. She's amazing because she's a biologist Mm -hmm. at heart, but she's this amazing writer. So whenever she, and not all, her books aren't about this like scientific stuff no no there's stories like this one's about a missionary family that goes to live in africa and it's crazy but all her stories are really good but then she has she kind of ties in nature to it yeah or like the actual surroundings that wherever the her characters are living in and it her stuff is great anyway sorry that's cool i just yeah. totally plugged her book but it's so good well you also plugged audible which again we are always looking for <laughs> sponsors uh we both listen to audible so oh yeah i love some audible so some real quick facts about boom slang snakes they are endemic to sub-saharan africa okay and their name boom slang in afrikaans and dutch literally means tree snake males can be light green but females are usually boring brown a typical uh, even male hatchlings are gray with like these blue spots on them speckles mm-hmm. and the female hatchlings are just pale brown so from a young age the female boom slangs are like prone to body whatever because they have great personalities yeah <laughs> Look, it's on the inside. Hatchlings are not dangerous to humans. They only start getting dangerous by the time they're like 18 to 20 inches long. 18 to 20. Okay. okay. And the snake he has, just to keep in mind, is 30 inches long. I'm pretty sure I wouldn't even want baby snakes on my person. <laughs> I don't care what size snake. I mean, sure. I'm not scared of snakes, but yeah. in Africa, yeah. Well, hell yeah. yeah. yeah no. Yeah. But like any snake, I want to, it has to be in some kind of controlled environment. Sure. But don't be on me. So yeah, they're diurnal. So they're awake during the day. Oh, we're teaching everybody what Science. diurnal is if they don't know. I know. They're uh, they're super skittish. Okay. So Good. They're Stay like away. reactionary. Stay the fuck away. Yeah. Be skittish. Um, and boom slang have an incredibly potent venom. Of course they do. That comes from rear fangs. Oh, see? Tree snake. That's a tree, tree snake, snake thing. Tree snake. Yeah. So yeah. So when they bite, because it's their back fangs, they actually open their jaw 170 degrees to get the fangs in you that's not scary at all that's so a calming thought right so beautiful so is this another one where you need to punch in or you're just like i'm dead okay it doesn't matter if i punch in pull i mean it's just all the things right all the things i might as well just lay down and start texting everyone i love you you and (laughs) please give my collection of (laughs) yeah whatever stamps. And, then, and then you then you contact that one friend who's supposed to go into your house and get rid of all the like creepy stuff that you keep <laughs> clear my <laughs> clear my browser clear history. my browser history i'm i i'm dead sorry mom <laughs> <laughs> don't judge me all right uh so on september 25th 1957 remember we started the story september 26th so this is the day before. Oh, okay. We're there. Way back in the beginning of the we're story. We're there to the bleeding face. I Here feel like are. I know where this is going. <laughs> Do you know where this is going? He played with the butt butt of the snake <laughs> too much and <laughs> there was a repercussion. 
that was <laughs> he was not prepared for it. <laughs> he was not. Uh, so Carl is looking at this thirty-inch snake, thinking, "No worries, boom slangs aren't harmful at this length." Because at that time, oh, previous to this uh-huh. incident, uh-huh. people were like, "Yeah, they're cool. Thirty inches, NBD, no big deal. What could go wrong?" Could A go lot. Wrong? He wasn't even wearing gloves, probably. Of course not. He's just like, he is hey, an cutie. expert Let snake just... handler. He's like, I don't need no gloves. Well, and he's emeritus, so he's like, nothing can hurt me. I'm retired. He's wearing his robe and his his hat. His little glasses. His like poofy hat. I don't know what kind of hat they would wear, but it seems like it'd be everything would yeah, be poofy. Yeah, poofy, for sure. Maybe a big feather. Definitely a feather. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, hmm. hmm. Oh, this is, uh, this is very interesting. <laughs> uh, so he and some other colleagues are talking about this snake, and Carl is like, let me look over him one more time. Okay. And he takes a snake, and he admits this himself. He says, I took it without taking any precautions. The snake is like, fuck that. Uh-huh. And bites him on, this is what he writes in his journal, the fleshy lateral aspect of the first joint of the left thumb. Oh, good God. Yeah, he wrote it in his journal he because that dude loves sci- science. He is a scientist. That's I very... love it. So if you're not sure what we're talking about here, it's basically like the heel of your thumb. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. Only one of the fangs, not both, only one make it the full way, like three, oh, I can't remember if it's centimeters or inches, probably uh-huh. centimeters. Oh my God. I don't think they're three inches long. That would be crazy. To inject the venom, Carl immediately starts sucking that part of his thumb, uh-huh. his hand, yeah, vigorously, which I hate that word. <laughs> the word, it's like putting sucking and vigorously it's in the like, same sentence. Like, feels, what are we talking about? It feels here? wrong. It feels real wrong. But it's, but it's but so right. That's what, I mean, that's what he said. So, all right. So now I'm going to read you verbatim his journal entries. There are okay. not many, but uh, let me just... We'll just get through this before the bleeding face started. I don't actually know what time the snake bit him. I I don't think I found it anywhere that said like the exact time he got bitten by the snake. But 4.30 to 5.30 p.m. that same day, he writes, strong nausea, but without vomiting during a trip to Homewood, went on suburban train. So I don't know what Homewood is. Maybe that's just like Home Depot. What he calls in 1957. (laughs) I got to go get some wood. He's gonna he go get some lumber. Hack. He's gonna get a hacksaw. He's building he's cut his arm off. Cut his arm off. <laughs> he's gotta get a tourniquet and a hacksaw. <laughs> he's getting some lumber for his coffin. I, <laughs> I feel really. Where is his wife? I would be like, you dumbass. Let's go to the doctor. What have I told you every day? Take your. Where were your gloves? gloves? Yeah. She's just pissed. <laughs> She's like, God damn it, Carl. Okay. <laughs> All right. So 5.30 to 6.30 p.m., he writes, strong chill and shaking, followed by fever of 101.7. Bleeding of mucous membranes in the mouth began around 5.30. Wait, Apparently, like, mostly from gums. Like his teeth. His Yeah, mucous membranes are like, like yeah. the lining. Yeah, the it's lining. like your yeah, gums. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Right so his gums, gums are bleeding. No big deal. That's totally normal. 8.30 p.m., oh ate two pieces of milk toast. So his gums are bleeding. He's just all about the food. <laughs> I feel like if I was like nauseous and bleeding, maybe his wife was like, you eat this. You need yeah. to eat something right now. And she's just like forcing like then later the poached eggs and the apple. She need applesauce. Just eat. I'm sure it'll soak it up. Yes. Whatever's okay. in you. Guaranteed. So yeah, milk toast. I'm like, in my mind, Wait, when people say milk toast, it makes like... me think of the baby thing that babies suck on. You know what I'm talking about? Like teething toast? Is it? It's kind of hard, but it's not. It's just toast. In mi- just like about... soaked in milk? You know what? I don't know. Now I'm 
questioning my own thoughts. Well, people ate stuff differently back then than they do yeah. now. We should we should check that. Somebody out there is going to tell us what milk toast is. Oh my god, someone I feel please. Like if my grandma was here, she would totally know it. Oh, and, and side note, just because I feel like I didn't give credit, uh, Ashley Ann did tell me about the grudge, but also my friend Hoya second seconded that she was like oh did you figure out that it's the grudge <laughs> anyway yeah. that's just a little side giving note. some credit there so he's eating oh, the milk yeah. toast tell us about milk toast nine o'clock to gums 12, are bleeding he's gums still bleeding. eating food he's like fuck it he's not going to the doctor no no and i'll, I'll tell you about that in a minute Ugh. so 9 p.m to 12 20 a.m slept well urination at 12 20 a.m mostly blood but a small amount <laughs> He's just fucking writing it down. Took a glass of water at 4.30 a.m., followed by violent nausea and vomiting, the contents of the stomach being the undigested supper. He's referring to the milk toast. His milk toast supper. Felt much better and slept until 6.30 a.m. Okay. So now- Just some violent vomiting. Just- Yes. Okay, I'm good. It's like, he's like, this is a hangover. I'm just going to vomit it up and take two Advil and go to sleep. Gonna pee some blood. All good. <laughs> Done. Just Gums are bleeding. I feel like, okay, <laughs> just continue because I just, I, we already I know. know where it's going. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. So then we're to the part that I read you earlier. Well, I mean, I like kind of gave you like a little snippet of it. Um, right. Where he wakes up and he eats and notes his uh, shishi, his pee, his pee pee. Shishi. <laughs> Megan, let's uh, keep it professional here. Oh We're not talking to our kids. <laughs> yeah, she-she. All right. Yeah, he writes, September 26, 6.30 a.m., temperature 98.2, ate cereal and poached eggs on toast and applesauce and coffee for breakfast. Uh-huh. No urine with an ounce or so of blood about every three hours, mouth and nose continuing to bleed, not excessively. Oh, so it's like, yeah, it's a trickle. Just a little. Okay. Just a, he, maybe he just needs like a little Because I'm napkin. like picturing just like blood pouring out of his face <laughs> and he's like wiping it away and then shoving a poached egg in his mouth. It's like... And he's like, all good. We're like, good. It's like that scene from Reservoir Dogs where it's just oh, yeah. like blood everywhere. Like that's, No, yeah. he's just like a little trickle. You know, he probably has like, he probably has like a really nice handkerchief that his wife embroidered for him and he's just like dabbing the sides of his mouth. Or he's using one of those, you know, what are the things that they wrap around you when you're your emeritus gown (laughs) the sash or whatever and he just picks it up the end of it just like a little bit but for sure 100 he had a handkerchief because everybody back then had a handkerchief yes and it was absolutely it was gross it was absolutely gross and it was absolutely embroidered by his wife and i he's probably on like handkerchief number 11 by now yeah and the wife just keeps giving them and she's like she's like giving me a lot of fucking wash this." yeah you know i wash these things by hand asshole Man, I feel bad for her. All right. (laughs) After lunch, he's getting worse and he calls his wife. I don't know if she's like in the house or she's someplace else and he phones her, but he's she's out washing all the handkerchiefs. (laughs) She's in the backyard, like fucking (laughs) hanging the handkerchiefs up. Poor Margaret. But by the time help gets there, he's struggling to breathe and he stops responding. So they try to resuscitate him, but it fails. And just before, like I said, just before 3 p.m. on September 26, 1957, Schmidt arrived at the hospital and was pronounced dead. And no surprise here, his autopsy revealed excessive internal bleeding. Wow, that's pretty bad. The Chicago Daily Tribune on October 3rd, 1957, publishes an article entitled, quote, Diary of a Snake Bite Mm -hmm. that details his experience including those journal entries i just read you i bet his buddy at the zoo felt yes. like a real piece of shit i mean you know yeah. i know your friends but tell your friend like hey you know what we don't know what this is wear but some gloves wear some gloves but maybe he was just like this guy knows all the things 
yeah. so I'm not going to worry about She's it because like, he's, he pers- he's the expert. Like expert. I read that there are two major thoughts to why he didn't seek medical attention sooner. One is claimed to come from Carl himself where he was offered to be taken to the hospital, but he was like, nah, that'll mess up my observations of these symptoms. Whoa. That's... That's hardcore. Hardcore. Like, I'm not going to go seek medical... I'm going to be fine. He made himself an actual science experiment. Yes. On some level, you're like, man, that's stupid. But also, like, for posterity. Yeah. Kind of genius. It's very altruistic. It's but, like he's a martyr for science. Yes. He's a science martyr. He's a, he's a science martyr. But also, he's a snake expert. He yeah. knows about these snakes. Yes. He would have known that the anti-venom wasn't available in Chicago. It's what? only in sub-Saharan Africa. Oh, and I was going to say, I wonder if it's anywhere. But yeah, I'm probably there. You can't get on a plane and get to sub-Saharan Africa by the time he's going to die. Yeah, I feel so, like... It's like a combination of like, he probably thought that snake wasn't as potent, like the venom wasn't as potent because it was smaller. Yeah. And then, well, what's he going to do? There's nothing you can do except for write it down in your journal. At least document the... For posterity. Right. Document what's going to happen for future people so they'll wear their goddamn gloves. Wear your goddamn gloves. I like to think that he died doing this thing that he loved. I mean... Okay. Well, that's a good way to look at it. I worked... With so many snakes and lizards, freaking skinks. They have are you been so aggressive. Bit by a snake? Yes. Because I have two, and it's so fast. It's so fast. It comes out of nowhere. You it's don't like even you really just know got slapped yes. real quick. It's like poof. And you're like, hey, did it's you like just. It's like a jolt of something. Yeah, but they weren't poisonous. Venomous. Oh, sorry. Venomous. It's okay. <laughs> so, so yeah i mean i i and honestly skinks were the worst bite because they don't let go they just hold on it's like their little mouths are so little that it pinches you know like pinches yeah your skin Ugh. yeah i've been skinks anoles and anoles yeah, yeah anoles they do that because yeah. i remember well when i got bit by the snake was when i worked at this pet store after high school before college yeah. and they yeah they had some snakes and um little anoles and they would bite the shit out of you yeah they're and just really aggressive because hang on your finger and you're kind of shaking them off like yeah let go just stop. yeah the the best thing to do just i guess pro tip is um so you usually hold like anoles or skinks by like their little upper arm like the joint between uh-huh. their shoulder and uh-huh. their arm and uh if they bite you you just kind of have to wait it out like they won't really let go if you pull back like you just kind of have to wait i feel like i have a lot of people in my life because we live in an area where there's a lot of geckos yeah and to me geckos are just cute and i don't mind them and they just i mean they They just hang out they make a cute noise and they eat insects and i welcome them in my my home i don't mind it my cats on the other hand are kind of (laughs) I know a lot of people who have an absolute fear. Yeah. Not, I mean, I understand snakes, but they have an absolute fear of small lizards to an extreme that I feel like they would just lose their absolute shit if they got bit and then something would have let go. Oh, my God. Like, I would be like, I think they would just pass out. Yeah. And I know if people ever listen to this, there's going to be a lot of listeners like that. They're going to be like, no So just remember... Way. If something bites you like that, just, just calm. We talked about just this last time. Take some calming breaths be and just calm. wait with your, just be like, let go. Just don't look at it. Yeah. It'll just... be fine. It'll go away. <laughs> <laughs> I bet uh, the little bee nana chameleons, oh my, I, I bet you they them. don't bite. And if they did, you'd just be like, oh. he's so cute so yeah i i think he knew it was inevitable that he was going to get bitten probably by a seriously venomous snake 
he was okay with that. I mean, that's what he studied. Well, it happened. It happened. So he just went with it. Yeah. I hope he did have some really good conversations with his wife. Yes, I hope so. There is a really lovely, I read a little bit of this earlier. There's a really nice remembrance of his life in the ESA meeting notes journal. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I said that right. Basically, the Ecological Society of America had a meeting and in there, they did like a remembrance of him at that meeting. And I actually purchased those notes so I could read the whole thing. And it was really nice. So So, and actually in August of that same year, 1957, he was named eminent ecologist by ESA. Eminent? Ecologist. That is what they called it. Is that like the king? Like the pinnacle. The king ecologist? Basically. He was 67 at the time of that and his death. Um, So I'll just read you this little part here. Uh, The Ecological Society wrote, in spite of the deep gratification that must have come from these honors, Dr. Schmidt obviously received his greatest personal satisfaction through helping those who sought his advice and assistance. Dr. Schmidt is survived by his widow, Margaret Whiteman Schmidt, and two sons, John Mungo and Robert George. In his death, members of his immediate family have experienced deep distress, and his colleagues and associates have lost an irreplaceable friend. He sounds like a real good guy. Yeah. Do you know if his kids ended up doing any kind of, like, getting into biology or doing anything similar? I I couldn't find anything about his kids. Okay. It was, and I tried. They like, they're like, uh, dad, I'm going to be an accountant. I'm good. I feel like his, yeah, his kids were probably like, I'm good. I don't really, I'm not really into snakes and slimy stuff. Well, after this, Jesus. Well, yeah. They've been through so much. They went through the fire and and their dad died They went through a lot. But yeah, so that's, that's it. That's the story of Carl Patterson Schmidt. A biologist. That's a cool story. Yeah. How did you hear about that in the first place? Because I had never heard of that. Yeah. So I read about reptile shit. Nerd. (laughs) And there's just like, you know, it's funny because I read about it and it's like a lot of the articles don't talk about him being as amazing as he was. Okay. They just talk about like this dude, like it's so crazy. This dude got bit by a snake and then he wrote it down in a journal. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. So um, I'll tell you some of the places I got all the information I told you about today. Uh, Obviously a Wikipedia. And then there's an article from Amusing Planet that talks about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there is this kind of great YouTube video from, is it Science Friday? Yeah, it was Science Friday. I'm going to put the link for the YouTube video in the show notes. But And then the newspaper clip from that Stevenson, Wisconsin, Stevens, Wisconsin thing when the house burned down. Okay. Yeah. And we'll have in our on our Instagram and on our website, we'll have a picture of him, right? Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I did want to plug for, you know, something that we talked about and something that Jen mentioned last time is that we really want this podcast to be reflective on things that we should be donating towards or supporting. In the, in the, in the realm of uh, nature or science or, you know, any, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of good organizations. Yeah. Uh, so the, the one that, you know, you should go check out is the Society for the Study of Amphibians and Reptiles. Uh, they do a lot of stuff in conservation and education and they're a they're a 501c3 nonprofit, and uh, they also do what's it called scholarships for budding herpetologists. You know, this guy, he did a lot of cool stuff. He got, you know, think about this if you're young and you're kind of thinking you have an interest in science or nature and you're thinking what to do. Look at all the cool places he got to travel. Yeah. I mean, he went all over the world to study these snakes or whatever Mm -hmm. um, reptile he was studying. And also a cool side note for those, I know a lot of people who are in our biologists or work in the natural, natural resources or yeah. Yeah. In the, (laughs) in the science field, they already know 
know this about frogs, but frogs are so interesting because they're kind of disappearing because they're really excellent um, bio indicators of what's happening in the environment because they spend the first part of their life in the water as little tadpoles and then later they're on the land. So they get hit by on both ends of it um, in whatever habitat they're in. So you can kind of tell by checking on the the population or the health of the population of frogs in some area to see how healthy it is how healthy that environment Mm -hmm. is they're and so the proverbial canary in the coal mine, yep. but they're frogs. But they're frogs in and the they're, forest. And they're, most of them are pretty cute. So I if you them. if you are a young scientist out there, there's lots of cool stuff you can do. Yeah. And if you're not, and you just think this is interesting, and some people just like it because it's like, you know, a real interesting story, then that's cool too. Yeah, absolutely. And you just learned something new today. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we did this last time. We got to get our emergency preparedness kit ready. I'm oh, going to ask yeah. you, Jen, I'm going to ask you, what would you add to our emergency preparedness kit? Yeah, I, our emergency preparedness kit, of course. Yes. I've been thinking about this as I've been listening to your story. Excellent. Uh, like in the side, I was like, sure. oh, let me see here. I mean, there's the obvious like snake gloves or well, antivenom, yeah, 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 but... Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think uh, more, more importantly, I, I would make sure I had, it's a toss up really. Okay. okay. I would have, definitely have some milk toast because it sounds absorbent it to soak up all the blood. It, it does. Internally. <laughs> it's soaking it up. Just it, a whole the loaf. Face. A whole loaf of milk toast. A loaf of milk toast. I like it. Absorbent. <laughs> And the the other one I'm can seriously considering is the uh, embroidered handkerchiefs because oh. let's bring it back, folks. Like let's bring back the handkerchiefs. That is classy. especially during COVID. Especially during <laughs> COVID. So nasty. Well, I mean, just... I feel like our face masks are kind of that because yeah. we wear them. I mean, unless you wear disposable ones, right. but I like the ones you know the cloth ones, right? Well, and then I just wash, wash them. them. Yeah, because we care about the environment. Yes, and I can tell you that I was <gasps> on the beach and saw Please. face so masks. Ma- yes. Please pick up your freaking, if you're going to wear disposable, if you're going to do it, which I highly recommend that you don't, just get the ones that are cloth and you can put a filter in it. You can wash all that. You can wash it. It's fine. But I feel like it is kind of like today's handkerchief. It is. (laughs) So let's just bring it back. Yeah. But I think number one, let's just, you know, I think milk toast. I like that. It's a toss up. Milk toast and handkerchiefs. If you had the handkerchief, you could walk around like it was like the 1800s, you know, and there's like a bad smell or something. (laughs) Just you like, could a we could bring back the like drop it on the ground oh and that mysterious it. handsome guy next oh, to you has hello. to pick it up which i i don't see that happening nowadays yeah he'd just be like hey you dropped your napkin <laughs> <laughs> you dropped that is there blood on there jesus i'm not touching that <laughs> like pick it up with some like tongs <laughs> give it back to you <laughs> excuse me ma'am you're bleeding from the mouth yeah <laughs> Yeah, uh, so, yeah. yeah, milk toast and handkerchiefs. I like it. Sorry, I'm throwing two in this no, week. No, that's great. That's great. I like okay. it. So, yeah, that was, that's, I guess, today's episode number two. That was, that was a great story. Thanks. I loved it. I, and I think he sounds like a really cool guy. Yes. And I'm just going to remind everyone to go watch that bank teller video of that drive-thru <laughs> bank drive through. I'm, I'm definitely checking that out. It's amazing. As soon as we're done. I can't it's wait to not watch amazing. it. It's amazing. But anyway... <laughs> That was a great idea, and yeah. I don't know how that died out because it seems really efficient. <laughs> <laughs> Super efficient. That's creating jobs right there. Just a guy to press that button <laughs> with a nice, like, with a little cute outfit. Dear Joe Biden. <laughs> but yeah. next week I am going to do something completely different. Uh, I'm excited. It's not super sciencey. Cool, but it's a cool story. Oh, that 
Yeah, it's going to be good. I can feel it. Well, actually, I have a few ideas, but they're all pretty. They're going to be pretty fun. So definitely be there for that. And uh, check us out. You got to go check us out on all the things. Don't forget, we are Twitterers now. Is that what you call it? Is that what we call ourselves? Uh, tweeters. Tweeters? Oh, Jesus I don't Christ. even know. We need like one of those I feel uh, so Twitter old. for Dummies books. <laughs> we like actually the, buy the book. The, books. <laughs> <laughs> the yellow go- Twitter for dummies. Twitter for dummies. Yeah, so we're on Twitter at... What is it again? Isn't oh, it? Uh, you're you're going to die, die zero one. one. Yeah. yeah. All the other things are just you're going to die out there at gmail.com. Instagram, you're going to die out there. Uh, and you can find us on Spotify. Spotify. You can find us on iTunes. Mm-hmm. You can find us on Stitcher. Stitcher. Mm-hmm. And soon, hopefully, on uh, Google Podcasts. And... Please make sure to subscribe and like and rate and review and rate and love us. And if you don't love us, just email us. We'll take the hit on there. Save it for not the public. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, thanks for listening. Thank you. All we'll right. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Just so you know, for just a split second, I was like, I hit record, right? Oh, my God. (laughs) Good morning, Megan. Uh, Good morning, Jen. I just did like... (sighs) (laughs)